Dad Bod Rap Pod. What's up, everybody? It is one of your humble hosts here, Damone Carter, a.k.a. Dim One. I am joined by Mr. Nate LeBlanc. How's life? Life is good. Can't complain. You could, but who cares? Exactly. Um, <laughs> and then we're also in here with the man, the myth, the legend. Uh, what are we sipping on, Mr. David? <laughs> Pinot Noir, guys. Of course. Because Dave has class. Slight. It's light. It's a little minerally on the back end. Feeling By the it. way, really good to be here. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, it's uh, it's good to be back. Um, on this episode, Dave clearly got the no hard liquor memo <laughs> from Dad Bond Management. Oh um, man, I got my nasal passages cleared. <laughs> I sounded like Dose One on the last episode. <laughs> Apologize to my uh, to our listeners and I guess to Anicon fans who took that personally. <laughs> <laughs> we know this now, Dave. After a certain amount of uh, of good whiskey. Um, gets a little ad rock with it. It's fine. <laughs> it's fine. So we're here. It is a sunny, wonderful day in sunny California. Um, I got a question that's going to seem a little bit off topic, but I think it's topical. Um, how do we feel about rappers getting robbed? Hmm. I'm for it. You're pro? <laughs> You're pro robbery? You're pro chain snatch? It, um, it depends who. It depends who. Oh, it, see, that, that's yeah. what I was going for. Six, nine? Yeah, totally. all for it. Right. If, um, I, if I hear Slug got robbed, is he okay? Right. You know what I mean? Right. Yeah. If I can, right. It I, also depends like how serious is it. You know, it's just like you can. There's you, there's you can a get way robbed a little bit. You can get robbed a little bit. Thank okay. you. I'm trying <laughs> okay. to I'm trying to arrive at that point okay. in helping me. <laughs> little um, Rob. I think uh, that reminds me immediately of friend of the program Zilla Rocca's uh, song with his uh, band Career Crooks or group Career Crooks. He did How to Rob an Indie Rapper. Yes, um, it's yes. pretty funny. Uh, uh, yeah. um, it's obviously a takeoff on the uh, Fifty Cent song How to Rob a Rapper. That kind of brought him out into the, mm. and he kind of flips it for today's kind of like progressive. Um, rap scene and it's really funny and it's clearly like tongue in cheek it's just everyone kind of like you know it just it def- doesn't defines he say he's gun in cheek though he says he's not tongue in cheek he's more gun in cheek so That's i don't hilarious. know his don't uzi know. weighs a tongue yeah oh, <laughs> oh. Dave Shout, keeps shouts the... to zilla Rocca, shouts to curly castro shouts to career crooks Abs- absolutely no it's interesting that like jacking and robbery have a rich history in hip-hop i mean you know there's sure. been some there's been some fatal mishaps with robberies, but I remember when two chains um, got robbed in San Francisco. You only had one chain left. <laughs> hey <laughs> I just tossed the alley oop. So I, don't... <laughs> I remember um, that happening. Yeah, so I remember Same. that, and and I remember thinking it was pretty funny because number one, he didn't get hurt. Like he still, you know, he he wasn't he wasn't shot or anything. And also because that's when he had that song out about him and broke people not getting along. Right. And Ooh. I'm like, this is uh, emblematic. Right. Yeah. Which I love that song. That's yeah, my yeah. favorite no, 2 chain song. It's... That's like the, the 2 chains ethos laid bare. Yes. Yes. Um, but no, people were so like after on my that, case about he that. He still had a show on Viceland called Most Expensive. Right, where he right, goes around right. drinking like $15,000 martinis. Yeah, yeah, so right. that's up right. to him. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Someone's jacking his caviar. That's kind of... <laughs> It's tough to feel bad about that. <laughs> right? I can't stand that show, though, by the way. I've never actually watched but an episode. Very much in line with the exotic, you know, sort of fetishization of, fetis, fetis, of it. Fetishization? You know, you know yeah. what I'm saying? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Here's, uh, you know, here's this big black rapper who's going to try this Yeah, I, I think Viceland's trying to do it's reparations for all the shine they give to Action Bronson. Right. I think they're Jeez. just reaching out, yeah. which, you know, after, after railroading Jesus and Mero, 
Um, <laughs> I, I feel like he kind of fucked. They kind of fucked up his career. You way, think so? Way too fucking uh, over exposure. I mean, you think for for cer- certainly point? some of his Wait, no 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 action, action Bronson action okay. Bronson. Oh okay, sorry. Because it's like right as he got famous, they just blasted him in his in our faces. You know, twenty four yeah. hours, and it's like maybe dude should work on his next EP. You know, real talk. A little bit, little bit. Um, but. He has a great time eating fucking food, and you know I'm 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 in. It's the, the best job ever. Yeah, yeah. Not yeah. hating him. Yeah, he's he's definitely made the most, or we thought he made the most out of Iceland before Jesus and Mero came along. For sure, and they, their power move was to get out of there. Yeah. And then if you read the articles that kind of came out after that, they're kind of like they're working us to the bone. They don't want right. us to take a day off. Right. That's that show had no writers. They were just doing everything themselves. Yep. There's no budget. Right. They they ended their. They they didn't even end the contract. They told him to stop showing up two months early because they got hurt. Yeah, because we could have got two month, two months more of shows. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, they're they're on fucking every day, and they're content creators. You know, I mean, on, on it's the, crazy. On the daily. I yeah. mean, it's straight up like paying a fucking intern to just produce content for you all day. I actually like really miss being called a ball bag. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. I I loved. Uh, I loved, never thought I'd say that. Oh man, Meryl's last rainbow, which was uh, fucking. Pay five dollars for Showtime, you ball bags. Like that. <laughs> like, that's what I need from my my television show. But we produce a, a weekly um, podcast, and this shit right. is like exhausting. Don't, that's like, hard enough. God, <laughs> thank God. Yeah. Luckily for all of you, you don't have to look at us while we do this. But um, <laughs> you know, I mean, they're the gold standard. There's Mark Marin on kind of the indie comedy right. side, and Jesus and Mero on the kind of like hip hop side, and right. that's, that's how you turn a podcast into a career. Mm-hmm. Which Dang. they, you know, Mark Marin had a career before as kind of the world's angriest comic, and he sure. was on Air America. But for Jesus and Mero, they turned being on Twitter into a dope podcast, into a dope show, right. and now into who who knows what. Man, right. with, with Showtime. So the question now is, will that level of exposure make them unfunny? We'll see. I don't think so. I don't think so, though. I, I think, think they're naturally funny. I also think perhaps the format of the show, though, might be weird. You know, so um, so if anything makes him unfunny, then maybe not. I'm not sure if you guys are familiar with uh, the comic Michelle Wolf. Do you yep. know her from the yep. White House Correspondence? Dinner, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Other things. So I've been a longtime fan of hers. We saw her live before the Correspondence Dinner thing blew up. Do you like her show? That's where I'm going. Okay, go so ahead. <laughs> there are people who are really good stand-ups, and they're not stand-ups per se, but like her skits on her show are are bad. Are like, they like oh skits? terrible they're skits? Like, they're like. They're, they're sketch comedy, right. yeah. They're kind of like they're like um, SNL sketches yeah. would be the closest analog. But they, they are not funny. They're cringe though. Dude. Yeah, yeah. It's and like I, I think her stand up is great. I really like her as a person agreed. and as a performer. But her the sketches on her Netflix show are like whack, cringe. But, but isn't that what happens when you bring in writers, right? And now well, you have a writers' room, and now people right. are bouncing ideas, and you got to have twenty two minutes of content, right? You know, every right, month right, or something. right. So totally. Perhaps I mean it. it, it she used to be funny, so maybe. Yeah. I mean, she's funny. The show isn't, though. Yeah, you know I know, I know. Like, I love to see her on an extended interview. You yeah. know? Sure, sure. So but. we're, prayers up for Jesus and Mero. Uh, <laughs> stay funny. My only problem is, is that once you get to a certain point of of exposure and platform, you can't make fun of people in the same way. Right, right. They've been riding a very fine line mm-hmm. in terms of making fun of people who would actually hear about it who mm-hmm. they travel in the same sphere with sure mm-hmm. so that that's my only question if anybody is a is a fan of of uh of the of the sports realm bill simmons the sports guy used to have an incredible blog some even say he invented the form in the early 2000s oh, yeah. and as he got more famous 
uh, he has this great story about Isaiah Thomas actually running up on him. Um, if you read his book, I won't spoil it for you, but in Book of Basketball, he talks about um, how Isaiah Thomas ran up on him. And I, I just fear that, like, you know, will Merrill be taking the task for his Eminem um, mocking <laughs> right. that he does? Uh, uh, you know what uh, I mean? Uh, right. It'll be interesting. Will we be taking the task for continuing making fun of Eminem? Only if we're lucky. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> only, <laughs> right. Right. Only if we keep pushing and we, we get to that level. Stay tuned, or maybe it happened already for our best producer rapper segment. Oh. <laughs> or not such how good to, how producer to rob a rapper segments coming up. Yeah. Um, <laughs> So we've got another dope show, as we always have here at the Dad Bod Rap Pod. Um, today's guest is one of the more interesting uh, figures in the in the hip hop sphere. Um, a person who I've known for a while, but has this really interesting resume and stands at I think the the corner of uh, hip hop, martial arts, and chess, which is. It's a very interesting corner. Not many people can really claim that. But there is actually an overlap um, in those things. And who I'm referring to is the Bishop of Hip Hop, uh, Adisa Banjoko, who just guest curated um, a, an exhibit at the Oakland Museum called Respect. Um, and it's all about the history of hip hop in general um, and also the history of Bay Area hip hop. Um, was just profiled in a, in a fantastic PBS NewsHour in, uh, a, in a condescending PBS NewsHour <laughs> right, piece. Right, right. I thought it was from the 80s. But, yeah. yeah. That we were talking about that off air. It's like, he's like, is, is this going to kill hip hop? Right. Putting right, it in a right. museum is going to kill yeah. it, you old white mother. Yeah. <laughs> totally, totally. What are you talking yeah. about, dog? Hip hop from the streets. I'm yeah. like, what the fuck? What is yeah, this? Like, 82? It, uh, it, it was pretty cringy. The video selections that they right. used, too. It's like, oh, yeah, definitely. The first thing everyone thinks of uh, for the elements of hip hop is a ludicrous video from the 90s. <laughs> like, I know. It, what are you doing? So far fetched. What is this music? And, yeah. And, yeah. But it was I, weird. I think it's indicative of the spaces and we'll talk to Adisa about this a little bit the spaces that hip-hop is traveled into so right right um Adisa did a hip-hop chess exhibit at the chess hall of fame in St. Louis two years ago or four years ago now um he guest curated this and just getting hip-hop into those spaces is such a battle and then there's this issue of authenticity sure so I know not naming names but there were some Bay Area artists who were very upset that oh, I've heard, I've heard about them. I mean, they're they're vocal on on social media, so yeah. it's public. Sure, yeah. and no one's gonna like agree with your vision a hundred percent when you're right. curating anything. There's right. always going to be people who feel left out. Um, I think it does represent kind of an ethos that we share. It kind of comes from the backpack hip hop perspective. Yeah. Um, and you know, I full disclosure did, did not go to the exhibit because that would require leaving my house. But um, <laughs> I've been to a couple of the Nate other Switcher. exhibits at the uh, at the Oakland Museum, and our buddy Plattern did a release party for his uh, Icelandic music right. mix there that was pretty well received. So we have a little bit of a indication of what it was like. But I, you know. The, I stupidly didn't go. Yeah, I mean, it, it sounds like a cool thing. I mean, uh, Eric Arnold is involved, a uh, longtime journalist uh, we look up to. Um, but it just seems like yeah, artists who feel left out should, you know, be cognizant of the process, you know? Yeah, yeah. it's it's easy to kind of take shots and be like, my crew wasn't front and center. You got right, the story right, wrong. Right, But even in the telling of the story, um, there's so much politics behind it. I don't know that Adiso will get into all of it, but right, but um, we'll ask. Yeah, definitely. But I mean, you ha you have cats like Jeff Chang that live in Stanford, so you know, give dude a call. Yeah, you know, yeah. it's it's <laughs> kind of ridiculous. It's not like it's not like we are 
you know, there, there's a poverty of intellectuals who understand the shit here. Yeah, yeah, and I, and there's something about a museum. You know, I'm of two minds on it. I I do think not that it could it could kill the culture, but I think we have to be careful about um, who has their grubby hands right. on on the prize artifacts. So I, mm-hmm. I will say in that PBS piece, and we'll post it on Twitter so you guys can check it out and make your, draw your own conclusions uh, when the uh, when the show posts. But I thought that the main curator guy uh, did a pretty good job of representing kind of the intellectual viewpoint and the museum's viewpoint that like yes hip-hop has been around long enough and has like represented itself long enough that it can stand some representation here in our world kind of taking it into the high art sphere or whatever yeah 100 percent. but i felt that way 10 years ago you know oh yeah more 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 than 10 years ago but you know at at this point to to see that that little mock-up segment that seemed just so outdated it's yeah, like a training video that you see when you work at Walgreens. Hip-hop. You know what I mean? <laughs> For the uninitiated. As if hip-hop isn't the major driving force right. of popular music today. It's In the still world. This, yeah. But, but you know, PBS NewsHour's uh, demographic is probably 55 plus. Totally. So for them, it was teed up in an interesting way. There's also a piece in uh, USA Today um, about the exhibit. But, you know, even outside of that, Adisa has a, a long career as uh, really one of the first hip-hop journalists on the west coast and so nope. i will definitely prod him to tell the story he's told a thousand times but i'll make him tell it a thousand one about um how he befriended easy e um in the very in the pre kind of nwa um era after they had just put out um i believe it was nwa and the posse mm. um so he's he's got a great story about that um and he's got a couple books he's done and you know some future projects i'm sure that he'll want to he'll want to plug as well as a podcast Right on. Word. Um, yeah, looking forward to talking to him. I think this should be um, a, definitely a good interview. We're trying to balance kind of the the primary sources, like the artists, the MCs, 100%. the producers, with some kind of our fellow journalists, right. cultural, cultural right, contributors, right, right, right. Right. somewhat fans. Everyone's a fan at this point, totally. so it's hard to like see where the line is with that. But uh, hopefully you guys are enjoying it and uh, you're, you're getting something out of this. Um, I was reading a, a little thing on um, the Hip Hop Chess Federation website in doing my research for today's, and he says that, um, I'm assuming he wrote the copy on his website, um, that hip hop is the only... Uh, musical art form that really tries to make the listener more educated when they leave the song than when they enter it. Mm, and that's mm. fascinating. I don't, yeah, I think mm. generally you could parse that a million ways, but generally speaking, most rock songs are not meant to be educational. Sure. And sure. there's a ton yeah. of hip hop songs that yeah. aren't either. But if you go to kind of the four elements, like right. ethos, right, right. I think that's an, a very interesting thing. He even goes so far as to claim that the fifth element of hip hop is knowledge, uh, right, which right. I always thought it was weed. <laughs> I always thought it was Bismarcky himself. He could do um, it all. <laughs> all right. So with that, uh, stay tuned, I guess. It's not a radio. Why do I say stay tuned? I don't know. Just continue don't, streaming. don't do anything. Yeah, continue streaming. We'll bring it to you. Uh, and you will hear our interview with the Bishop of Hip Hop, Adisa Banjoko. All right, ladies and gentlemen, Dad Bod Rap Pod listeners, we are here with a very special guest, the one and only Bishop of Hip Hop, Adisa Banjoko. How's it going, bro? 
I'm doing fantastic, man. I'm doing fantastic. It's a blessed day to be in San Jose. You heard? Hey, that's, <laughs> that's what it Good is. Good to have you, man. Yeah, thanks for coming on. So, so tell us a little bit. We we talked in our intro a little bit about your um, the exhibit that you guest curated at the Oakland Museum um, called Respect. Tell us a little bit about what it is and, and how it came together. Yeah, so essentially um, the exhibit is called Respect, Hip-Hop Style and Wisdom. And what we do is we look at hip-hop uh, not just um, from New York but from the Bay, you know. Mm-hmm. And we look at how hip-hop has impacted uh, fashion, how it has impacted car culture. We look at how it has impacted education, Okay, Um, and we look at how it has bled over into other things that people don't normally associate with hip hop immediately, things like chess and martial arts. Mm. And so it's a 13,000 square foot exhibit. It's very big. It's expansive. We have um, a double screen, 40 minute uh, remix of hip hop history that was put together by uh, Mike Realm. If you know anything about turntablism, you remember Mike Realm from back in the day. He's also really known for online video remixes on YouTube, like if you look up Realm, R-E-L-M, Mike Realm, um, Iron Man 2, Avengers, uh, Baby Driver, he does these crazy remixes. Mm. And so, yeah, man, so we had him do it, and it's it's just a powerful, fun exhibit. It's family-friendly. We got beat machines in there, turntables in there that you can scratch on, you know what I'm saying? And it's fun. That's awesome, man. Um, I'm actually going to take the family to see it uh, this coming Thursday. It, it ends on August 12th. That's right. Yeah, yeah. It's 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 been up since I think it opened in March. Yeah. I think maybe April, but it's been up for about six months. And yeah, it's closing on on August 12th. And uh, then you know, I'm looking to do some new historic things with Bay Area hip hop history. So yeah, I'll, I'll tell you more about that when it's time. But it, it'll be good. That's 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 what's up. So um, I know that you run the Hip Hop Chess Federation. Um, Can you talk to us a little bit about that and how that got started and kind of just tell the people what it is? Yeah, so the Hip Hop Chess Federation is a nonprofit. We are a 501c3. We've been around about 12 years. And what we do is we fuse music, chess, and martial arts to promote unity, strategy, and nonviolence. we basically teach that chess is jiu-jitsu for the mind and jiu-jitsu mm. is chess for the body. Um, I teach chess and jiu-jitsu as a unified class um, at Realm High School in Berkeley, and I also teach it at Zaytuna College in Berkeley. And Zaytuna College is um, the first accredited Islamic liberal arts college, and it's been really fun. But I also teach at my own space in Fremont. And essentially what people don't understand is that in the early 70s when hip-hop was getting its baby legs, um, <clears throat> that was when right around the time that, that Bobby Fischer had, um, had, had, had won the world championship title, and it was around the same time that Bruce Lee um, dropped Enter the Dragon. And so Enter the Dragon specifically and uh, the Shaw Brothers films inspired a lot of black and white Americans to understanding 
Asian philosophy. You know, even though it's not the best way to get the intro into Asian culture and history for many African Americans who knew nothing, and a lot of white people who actually knew nothing, this was their introduction. But beyond just seeing the fighting skills, they learned about the philosophy of Taoism, of Buddhism. They learned about, like, you know, I still wonder if it wasn't for these films, how many black people would be vegan today? How many black people would be Buddhist today? You know, I mean, there's a lot of black Buddhists, like serious practicing black Buddhists. And it's hard for me to imagine that they would have had exposure um, from anywhere other than the martial arts initially, right? And so when we talk about hip-hop and martial arts, it's easy to say Wu-Tang Clan. It's easy to bring up RZA and Jizza, and they are at the pinnacle of that discussion, right? But when we're really talking about hip-hop and martial arts, we're talking about the S1Ws from Public Enemy, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. If we're really talking about, like, chess and hip-hop, we're talking about EPMD, you know what I'm saying? I'm in a battling state. I can't concentrate. I make a move <laughs> like chess. Then I yell checkmate. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> right? Yeah. If, we're, if we're talking about, like, public enemy, you know, no matter what the name, we're all the same pieces in one big chess game. Right? We're talking about X-Clan. We're still, if we're talking about martial arts, we still got to talk about J. Ru the Damager. We still sure. got to talk about Afu-Ra. Yep. We still got to talk about so many other artists. And then they basically set the stage for Wu-Tang to take over the world, which they do <laughs> well. Right you um, see what I'm saying? Absolutely. And so, yeah, man. I mean, so that's what the exhibit is about, is about how we got to that point. And also... Um, this beautiful intercultural exchange, right? Like when I was talking one time with Afura, I was like interviewing him about meditation and yoga. And he said, you know, part of the crazy thing is when you're black and you live in the hood, like, you know, you're told to meditate and all this stuff, but you live in homes that like sirens, people getting robbed, like, you know, like silence is very alien to the average poor black or Latino experience, you know what I'm saying? And this is true, right? This is very true. And so it's really deep, like seeing how um, a lot of these artists, you know, even if they came in very ignorant, you know, sought higher levels of knowledge about Confucianism, about, about Taoism. And I'm one of those people, you know what I mean? I'm one of those people who came in very surface, not really understanding much, but but um, I've gained uh, immense clarity of mind and, and soul through, through these paths, and it's because of hip-hop. So building on that, I, I wanted to talk to you about the movie Fresh. Like, one, do you think it's mm-hmm. a, a good representation of chess playing and chess culture? And two, is it the first kind of filmic representation of this hip-hop chess uh, kind of continuum that you know of? Yeah, I mean, it probably is like the archetype for that whole discussion. You know, Fresh is an amazing film. However, like, you know, it has some dry moments, and you know what I mean? Some of the writing could have been better, like when you really look at it, but it's awesome. When it's on point, it's on point. Samuel Jackson is on fire. Um, a lot of the other actors, like, hey, who's that dude uh, from from Breaking Bad, the the villain? Fring, is that his name? Oh, yeah. You know what I mean? Um, like, yeah, like he's Giancarlo in there. Esposito. There's a lot of amazing acting in that. Mm. You know what I mean? There's a lot of amazing acting in that. And that's where you really see what hip-hop chess is about. Because hip-hop chess is not about world titles, who's the champion. It's about survival. It's about how can I assess this risk 
and know the limit. How can I make my sacrifice pay off? How can I hold my structure? How can I take a big loss but still recover and win? And that's what young people in the hood have to do every day, and that's why they play chess. You know what I'm saying? The mainstream, like, chess culture that cares about the world on U.S. nationals, that doesn't exist in the streets. They don't even know who's playing in them things because they're (laughs) using the game to actually survive and stay mentally strong. Right on, right on. Hey, Adisa, uh, welcome to the show again. This is Dave. Um, yeah. Just want to say, uh, just want to learn a little bit more about you. Do you actively still play chess? One and two, um, and two. Uh, yeah. Let's start with that. Yeah, I do play chess. However, it is important to know that I am no kind of grandmaster. I'm not super <laughs> sick. I like to play the game. Sometimes I win. Sometimes I get straight flambosted on these boards. You know what I'm saying? It depends. <laughs> it depends on who. It depends on who I'm seeing and where my brain's at in the day. You know what I'm saying? Okay. Okay. Um. um second but, question, you know, though, and that's part. No, that that's a big part of it, though, because it's important that when I'm promoting this, that the listeners understand. Like, I'm not talking about sacrificing your whole life to go be a grandmaster. <laughs> I'm saying play with your homeboy, play with your wife, play with moms, play with your cousin. You know what I'm saying? And just get used to this this psychological battle. And you'll find mm. that the more that you play it, when you're in different social situations, you'll you'll legitimately be sharper. You'll legitimately be sharper. <laughs> right on. And second question, just sort of on a personal tip, like how old were you and, you know, how did the sort of confluence of hip hop, martial arts and um, chess strike you as a young man? I mean, you know, I'm, I'm sure that I'm older than you guys by a lot. Um, <laughs> I, I, started, I started DJing in the tail end of 1982. Mm. And, um, you know, that time was where mixtapes were very brand new, right. where you go to a hip-hop section of a record store, and it would be four records. You know what I'm saying? Like, <laughs> four crazy. records in the hip-hop section. You know what I'm saying? Mm. It's like, one DMC, two fools you ain't never heard of, other guy <laughs> from the Bay. You know what I'm saying? Like, for real. And, like, like it was really like Russian roulette. You're like, well, I think this logo's cool. Let me see what it is, you know? Yeah. The next thing you know, you just came up. You know what I'm saying? Like, the first time I heard Too Short, it was because someone had stole my uncle's Jeep and crashed that joint, and the only thing that survived was a two-short tape. Hey. <laughs> and the dude got away. Then nobody never even got caught for taking his Jeep. And he was like, hey, man, uh, I don't really know much, but I figured this is a wrap. So you want it? I was like, sure. Next thing I know, what? BX, yo! You know what I'm saying? My whole life got turned upside down. And I was like, you know, what What tragic irony that someone gaffles your car, wrecks it, and I come up. You know what I'm saying? Um, but, I mean, you know, I was always really into hip-hop. My father taught me chess when I was young. You know, when I was, when, when I was in high school, um, my counselor was a guy named Mr. King, and Mr. King noted that uh, I was failing every class but English, so he was putting me on the journalism team. And so I reluctantly joined, and I wanted to interview Eazy-E because I didn't care about um, 
anything that had anything to do with sports at my school or who won the spelling bee. So he was like, just write whatever, man. Like, just write whatever. You're feeling everything. So I called Ruthless Records. I was 17. Wow. I lied to him. I told him that I was a big-time writer. That's all I could think of. I'm a big-time writer. <laughs> call me back. Wow. And so they, he called me back from the house. And so we became cool. I did the first interview and article ever on NWA and Eazy-E, and we stayed cool until he died. Wow. And Super inspirational, that friendship, man. that friendship led to him introducing me to J.J. Fad. You understand? I'm 17 years old. Right. You know? And now I'm backstage with 2 Live Crew, backstage with EPMD, backstage with... Uh, I mean, like, crazy people, man, you know what I'm saying? Like like EPMD and little punk bands, like all kind of crazy stuff. And it, wow. I was exposed to high-level hip-hop, like, point blank, at a very young age. You know, at a very young age. And so chess was always a part of that. That led to me, like, hearing the lyrics about hip-hop in it, you know what I'm saying? And I would say, hey, uh, rapper so-and-so, do you play chess? And the answer was always yes. I had this large database in my brain of hip-hop lyrics. And then later, when I was doing um, a talk at a juvenile hall in San Francisco, I was, doing, I was giving a horrible job of a talk. I was losing a kid, so I wanted to try to get him to play chess, and most of the kids knew how to play chess. Mm. But then once they started playing in this tournament, I was like, well, you guys play. I'll give you guys a book. Whoever wins, um, I saw a white kid who was a racial minority in the juvie get a lot of respect for his chess wisdom. And then the guy who actually won the tournament was like a two or 300-pound kid who people were laughing at because he was super fat, but they had to respect his mind at the end of the day. And I saw right. that social strata, strata, mm. like strata change. And I was like, man, like, why are these kids who are so brilliant at chess unable to make good decisions in life? What could I use to help them, like, think better and use chess more as a tool for life? And then it was like all those lyrics hit me at one point, And I was right. like, hip-hop and chess. That. searching it more and you know this was like back in 06 you know what i'm saying and like people laughed at me in 06 but by 2014 i was uh curating exhibits on hip-hop and chess um in st louis at the world chess hall of fame and we were bringing in more people the first day than bobby fisher's exhibit brought in the first day and his exhibit was right upstairs from ours but ours was bigger we had lines around the block and that had never happened it never happened at the World Chess Hall of Fame before, and it's never happened at the World Chess Hall of Fame in St. Louis since. Only hip-hop has beat Bobby Fischer, and it's important <laughs> to note that. That's real. That's real. And so your, your kind of passion of – you talked about your juvenile hall experience. Your passion for working with youth still continues to this day, correct? Um, you've got yeah, yeah. Programs. You know, I just I – just, yeah, I just did a talk at uh, – I just did a week over at Juvenile Hall in Oakland. I'd love to get reconnected to the Juvenile Hall uh, here in San Ho. I did a thing many years ago that was really cool once. Um, they have like an Olympics in Juvie. At San Ho. It's dope. They have all these little sports and stuff, and it's hella fresh. But I went there, played some games with some kids, chopped it up, you know. But Juvenile Hall is a place where we have to understand that so many brilliant, renegade, and neglected minds are. You know what I'm saying? Like, I was up there, just to give you an example, I'm talking to this kid. I always ask kids what they're reading when I go and I teach. And so you'll get everything from, like, somebody being like, you know, he's a low-grade reader, like Diary of a Movie Kid, to, like, you know, I'm reading Malcolm X, some other kid saying he's reading the Bible. I said, hey, what are you reading right now? 
This dude looked me in my eyeball and said, I'm reading Neil deGrasse Tyson. I'm just finishing up Stephen Hawkins. And I'm also reading The, the, the Master of Love by uh, Ruiz, who you may remember from The Four Agreements. I was like, what? <laughs> are you? He was like, I'm, I'm 17. I was like, so when do you graduate? He's like, I don't have enough credits. Mm. Now, that is a mind that has been neglected by the system. Right. That is a mind that has um, fallen victim to societal traps, but in its raw state is clearly, clearly wise. You know what I'm saying? I ain't read no Stephen Hawkins. You know what I'm talking about? Like, for real. And this dude's like, we talk when he's talking to me about physics and all kind of stuff, but he's failing high school, which means he's going to get caught up in the streets. And so I'm always reaching out to the youth because I think that, like, you know, unfortunately we live in a day where a lot of times people try to get comfortable being like a quote-unquote hip-hop scholar. But what that really means is they sit on a college campus and pontificate from on high hey. while, in, while in, in communities right down the street from their campus, those kids aren't getting served. But this dude's the professional hip-hop guy. You know what I'm saying? Like, you shouldn't be able to sleep at night if you're supposed to be a hip-hop scholar and kids in your community don't know your name and are not engaged by you. You are failing your community. Just because you can tell us about BAM and do some old history uh, lineage from here to there, that's not helping the kids, man. You know what I'm saying? Like, for real. Like, it's just it's not fair. You know what I'm saying? And when I was young, what I wish is that somebody like me would have looked out for somebody like me because I was a horrible student. You know what I mean? I wasn't doing well. I had very poor self-esteem. Um, I was suicidal. I drank a lot of alcohol. I acted out. And I didn't have anybody to really guide me. Of course, I had my parents, but I was rebelling against them. You know what I'm saying? So, you know, I wish that somebody would have reached out to me and help me kind of do it. So I'm trying to be the dude I wish I had in my life. You know what I mean? Um, when when I was young, man. So you got you to gotta help the youth, you know? That's right. That's right. That's what we're about here on on Dad Bod Rap Pod. Let me uh, let me let me switch gears a little bit and and mm-hmm. and kind of maybe in closing here, can I can I get your take on you know you're a you're a dad obviously yeah um, can I get your take on kind of contemporary hip hop as you see it and wh- who are who are those artists today that you think really embody the spirit. Um, of hip-hop that you first connected with? Ooh, that's a deep, grimy, like, <laughs> quagmire of mind. Why are you going to give me a mind-feel question like that? You're the um, You know what I'm saying? Okay, so there's a few things. Because I, I've been working in high schools for years, um, you know, I work with a lot of young people, you know what I'm saying, who, some of whom, you know, I'll start with this. Artists who I like. Um, I like, uh, uh, young boy NBA. Okay. I like certain tracks from the Migos. I like Cardi B. Okay. I like Lil Skies. Lil Skies is raw. Hmm. Lil Skies is raw. I liked certain things from Takashi 6ix9ine. I felt like he had a lot of energy. He kind of reminded me of Onyx. Okay. You know what I'm saying? Okay. He was uh-huh. like a new onyx. Like, if you really peep the energy he was bringing, he was live. But then he's like a lightweight, you know, child molester. <laughs> you know what I'm yeah. saying? Yeah. So it's like, man, like, if, 
you can be a molester like Bam. I can't really associate with that. You know what I'm saying? You can go kick it with Cosby. I mean, I don't really know what's going on with that guy. What I'm saying is um, I like the, 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 the production style and the energy of early Takashi 69. Once I found out he had these um, – these uh, pedophile-esque uh, allegations against him. I just I stopped listening to him. But I do like Lil Skies. Um, I do like uh, PMB Rock. Okay. Uh, I do I do like um, I like Meek Mill, but I don't really consider him new. You know right, what I'm saying? Right, right, right. I like some of Drake's stuff, man. I think that we got to be more open. Um, one of the things that I've come, you know, I was talking with Paradise from X Clan. Um, uh, a month or two ago, and we were talking about how people from from my generation and back are really hard on the young people. And he's like, but the reason we know that what they're making is hip-hop is because we hate it. Right. <laughs> just like, <laughs> just like when we made it, the, what were the elders saying? Man, get that music out of here. That ain't no real music. You know what I'm saying? That's a he was like, they're doing what they're supposed to do. Yep. You know what I'm saying? Yep. And that's how I appreciate. Uh, that's how I approach him in my class at at, at Realm Charter School. Um, Realm Charter School, by the way, was actually founded by a dude right here from the Horseshoe, where I'm at. When I'm giving this interview, I'm over here in the Horseshoe, over, over, over West at Gardner. You, you know what I'm saying? West Side. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> um, but, but, but he was, he was like, he was like, yeah, Mr. Bishop, you probably hate our music, huh? I was like, nah, man. I said, listen, it's your time. When I was young, there was powder cocaine on the streets. Then it turned into crack, and our music reflected that. Right. You got syrup yeah. and Zan on the streets, and your music is supposed to reflect that. You're not mm-hmm. supposed to be wearing shell toes and a 20-pound right. tango right. on your head. It's a new era, dog. You got to do you. you. You're wearing extra tight clothes, which I can't relate to, but that's your business. You know what I'm saying? Like, I, I got to let y'all make, tell your truth in this day. Right. You know what I'm right. saying? And I think part of the hurt that we feel from our generation is, you know, do I wish there was a public enemy of their generation? Of course. Do I wish that there were uh, more women uh, sharing wisdom on the mic in the mainstream? Of course. But at the same time, we have to admit that because of the Internet, because of YouTube, SoundCloud, and all these other things, that we can still find, uh, you know, a woman MC who's raw like Sarah. You know what right. I mean? Like, I don't know if you she know who she is, but she's yeah. really dope. Oh, yeah, you know what I'm saying? I like, I like Brother Ali. You know yeah. what I'm saying? I think Brother Ali spits straight bars. You know what I'm saying? Um, um, there's a lot of people that I think are dope right now. Um, Kadir Latif. If you're not up on Kadir Latif, look up his song on YouTube called Enumeration. You understand? Enumeration is out of control with bars. Like, for real. Like, he's ridiculous. And then um, he's got another song, Kadir Latif. It's called, like, From Slave Hands to Shaved Grams. Listen to me. He's kicking so much fire on the mic. All right? So there's a lot of different people that are dope to me. But I think the idea here is that hip-hop has really transcended so many races, so many cultures, so many uh, economic stratas, so many uh, uh, um, cultural paths that it's bigger than any of us can imagine, and it's evolving faster than any of us can catch up. So, like... If you just want to be on some Bay Area mob music thing, you can do it and never leave. There's enough music. You know what I mean? If you want to be on some straight boom bap, 
You know what I'm saying? Whether it's from New York or L.A., you can do that and never leave. And so I think that, like, the the thing that I had to come to grips with was that there's so much music now. Like, I used to know every artist when it dropped. Oh, yeah, that album? Yeah, it's kind of raw. Oh, that album? Fire. Oh, yeah, that album? Trash. And now there's so much you just can't keep up. up. So you have to... You yeah. have to just acknowledge that the waves is way bigger than your ability to ride it as a surfer, and you're just going to have to respect the power of the wave. You know what I mean? So I respect the power of the wave, whether I get it or not. You know what I'm saying? One of the rappers that I like, um, and I don't listen to him as much as I used to, but I think he's from L.A. His name is Conejo. Conejo's hard. Yeah. Yeah. He's hard. You know what I'm saying? Now, that's not stuff that I think is, you know, cool for the youngsters necessarily, but he's a hard MC. You know what I'm saying? And I appreciate him in, in a similar way that I appreciate Kid Frost, you know what I'm saying, and stuff like right. that. So, right. um, yeah, that's that's how I roll. Okay. I don't okay. know if that's – I don't know if that I don't know if that really answered your question. It's a very thorough going, answer. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, man, we, we, are, we appreciate all the wisdom and, and, you know, you out here in the game, older than all of us, and dropping some new artists for us. So we appreciate that, too. I'm, I'm taking notes. I'm going to look up some of this stuff. <laughs> So word, a, word. A, PMB rock is hard, man. PMB rock is hard. That's what his notes say. <laughs> That's exactly what you know? Yo, appreciate it though, man. Hey, we really appreciate your time, Adisa. Um, we'll, you know, in the mean, in the meantime, while it's still up, please go check out the um, the respect hip hop style and wisdom exhibit at the Oakland Museum. Please check out Hip Hop Chess, Chess Federation. Um, and yeah, just thank you, brother. Oh, yeah, yeah, real quick, real quick. Yes. If you're on IG, follow your boy at Real Hip Hop Chefs. Follow me. You can see more of what we do if you don't understand, you know, like the combo and how it comes together. And you can see that we really serve the youth. When you look at our photos, yeah, you're going to see Riz and Jizza. Yeah, you're going to see Immortal Technique and some other folks. But you're also going to see, like, some also going to see kids playing chess you're also going to see you know what i mean kids playing sports man you know i was i was telling i was telling d earlier like bro like we got kids who can't throw a baseball at like nine years old you know what i'm saying like what's wrong with america bro like you can't catch a football you just getting your chest blown out boom you say fall out you know what i'm saying i'm like man when i was your age bro i could take that ball and like yeah you know just be on the field i'm looking here at 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 this park at gardner right now it's a ghost town. When I was in the summer, when look, when I was young, I would be on that field and I would be on that grass until I was about to pass out. It's the only thing that made me go home is that I needed food. You know what I'm saying? I would go home, get food, get water, and go right back out. And it's a ghost town now. You know what I'm saying? So we need to, like, rebuild the physical uh, stature of our youth so we can rebuild the actual character of our youth. You know what I'm saying? Mm. Mm. There it is from, from the words from the bishop. Adisa, word man. Be blessed, man. We'll see you soon. Thank you so much. I appreciate you. Thank you. All right. Thank Y'all you, stay man. Blessed. All right. Bye bye. Stand home forever. That's what I'm talking about. <laughs> All right. Peace. One more time, we want to thank our guest, the Bishop of Hip Hop, Adisa Banjoko. Um, 
Adisa is older than us, um, <laughs> and, I'm, and I'm pretty old. I'm older than y'all. But when he started DJing, I was oh, in man. diapers. Right. Yeah. It was really good talking to a, like a, an OG with perspective and just you just a heightened he, sense he of awareness a when it comes loquacious to fellow. what we're talking about. Yeah. No. No. Adisa, yeah. he, he got talked for days. That's my guy. Um, right his there. story about like calling up Eze and doing that first article. I mean, that is very like inspirational. Totally. I shit. think what you should do is. Tell people you're a big time writer. <laughs> I've never heard you say that. You're not interviewing Eze. It's <laughs> a good just, way to go. Just to call him off of the number that was on the on record, the, right, right. his records. Yeah. Where I'm yeah, like, did Jerry yeah. Heller pick up? Like, right, what? right, right. Just, uh, I mean, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So he didn't say this, but in in uh, at that time, um, there's no source, there's no rap pages, there's no publications. Period. No, right. So right. that first article he wrote ran in the Oceana High School newspaper, the Foghorn. That's crazy. That's fucking amazing. <laughs> um, and so yeah, just just a really cool cat. Um, he didn't mention it, mention it, but uh, he's doing summertime after school programs at at a community center here in San Jose. So still like connected to the community. Um, he's written a couple books. Um, one including is called. Uh, Bobby Bruce and the Bronx, which is kind of covers his philosophy around um, hip hop, chess and martial arts. And so, yeah, just super cool cat. And it's funny, uh, the the hip hop scholar he was describing when I was in college, that was full on my life plan. <laughs> like, my job, I would have never wanted to talk to a kid again. I wanted to sit up on a campus and read books and go to shows <laughs> and like pontificate. So, hey, you know, hey, life hey. life went a different way. There's still time left, dude. There's still time left for <laughs> yeah. that, guys. I just Absolutely. want to be Dave's TA. <laughs> uh, but, yeah, he, uh, some of the artists he mentioned, uh, my mind was blown. Right, right, I just yeah, I yeah. thought he was going to say J. Cole. Yeah, like yeah, I was 100% oh, right, expecting J. Right, Cole right. to come up in that conversation. He I was, was nowhere near that. I was not expecting the Takashi, but I like it. I like its yeah. inclusion. I like the sort of, like, dudes, you know, open. Well, he well, hangs out with high school kids, and this is what they listen to, apparently. Right, right. Yeah, but the question was what he digs, no? Right. Yeah, yeah, and he he really does. And if the you, Onyx comparison kinda, is is interesting. I want to listen. I, I, wanna, I will say he does onyx. need to back the fuck up. <laughs> 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 that might be as close as we get uh, with uh, um, with Onyx. Into screaming in- unintelligibly, I think he's right there. I think he's, I think he's got spot on. Unneeded aggression? I don't know. Um, yeah, so he, Adisa has been really... Um, Good about kind of just keeping up with the culture and having a cultural perspective. Him and Mike Realm um, were at the Apple flagship store over the weekend in, in SF. Um, and it's just uh, a wealth of knowledge that he brings to like any setting that he's in. And especially for people who are who don't know about the culture. Like we need those type of ambassadors to kind of like translate. Yeah. But get but, your one oh one. Yeah, but I actually trust him. Where a lot of times I hear mm. cats translating the culture, and I'm like, yeah, oh, <laughs> you got it right there, bro. Sure, on your dates there. <laughs> yeah, like the rap genius. You guys ever go on rap genius? Yes. Yeah. 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 Some of it's a little silly, but isn't that mostly user generated? So you never know. Like, it's this dude rap. doesn't understand doom lyrics and he's like trying to tell everyone what they mean yeah yeah yeah, yeah it, it's yeah. interesting when the artists go on right when the artists annotate their own lyrics yeah it's totally i mean different. that's yeah. yeah there's just i'm like how can you possibly be this is like a lanny and laurel kind of thing right. like how are you possibly hearing that right that is right. not what he said goony goo goo means yeah. that's, when doom says goony goo this is a reference to the african but if doom's explaining it dude, and i'm yeah. Yeah. i'm, then I'm there it, for it yeah, yeah, yeah you absolutely. guys better send me the link if yeah you know. so we uh like we like nate alluded to in our intro um, we'll definitely keep bringing on the voices that are that are both you know making history and commenting on it here on the Dad Bod Rap Pod. 
Um, we'll also bring on old cats who like Takashi Six Nine. You get it. <laughs> you get it all here on the Dad Bod Rap Pod. We want to thank you for listening to another dope episode of the Dad Bod Rap Pod. More fly conversation and interviews coming your way every week. You can find the podcast on SoundCloud, soundcloud.com slash dadbodrappod. And we're always down to interact with you on Twitter at dadbodrappod, all spelled out. Subscribe on Stitcher, Google Play, and iTunes. 